Welcome to A Cloud of Witnesses. This podcast is a ministry dedicated to encouraging unity in the body of Christ through the reading and discussion of church history. My name is Chris Perret. In today's episode, we'll be reading chapters 6 and 7 of St. Ambrose on the Holy Spirit, book 1. Chapter 6. There are, however, many who, because we are baptized with water and the Spirit, think that there is no difference in the offices of water and the Spirit, and therefore think that they do not differ in nature. Nor do they observe that we are buried in the element of water that we may rise again renewed by the Spirit. For in the water is the representation of death, in the Spirit is the pledge of life that the body of sin may die through the water, which encloses the body as it were in a kind of tomb, that we, by the power of the Spirit, may be renewed from the death of sin, being born again in God. And so these three witnesses are one, as John said, the water, the blood, and the Spirit, one in the mystery, not in nature. The water, then, is a witness of burial. The blood is a witness of death. The Spirit is a witness of life. If, then, there be any grace in the water, it is not from the nature of water, but from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do we live in the water or in the Spirit? Are we sealed in the water or in the Spirit? For in him we live, and he himself is the earnest of our inheritance. As the Apostle says, writing to the Ephesians, In whom believing ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is an earnest of our inheritance. So we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, not by nature, but by God. For it is written, He who anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. We were then sealed with the Spirit by God, For as we die in Christ in order to be born again, so too we are sealed with the Spirit, that we may possess his brightness and image and grace, which is undoubtedly our spiritual seal. For although we were visibly sealed in our bodies, we are in truth sealed in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit may portray in us the likeness of the heavenly image. Who then can dare to say that the Holy Spirit is separated from the Father and the Son, since through him we attain to the image and likeness of God, and through him, as the Apostle Peter says, are partakers of the divine nature, in which there is certainly not the inheritance of carnal succession, but the spiritual connection of the grace of adoption. And in order that we might know that this seal is rather on our hearts than on our bodies, The prophet says, The light of thy countenance has been impressed upon us, O Lord. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Chapter 7 Since then every creature is confined within certain limits of its own nature, and inasmuch as those invisible operations, which cannot be circumscribed by place and bounds, yet are closed in by the property of their own substance, how can anyone dare to call the Holy Spirit a creature who has not a limited and circumscribed power? because he is always in all things and everywhere, which assuredly is the property of divinity and lordship. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so, when the Lord appointed his servants, the apostles, that we might recognize that the creature was one thing and the grace of the Spirit another, he appointed them to different places, because all could not be everywhere at once. But he gave the Holy Spirit to all, to shed upon the apostles, though separated, the gift of indivisible grace. The persons, then, were different, 
but the accomplishment of the working was in all one. Because the Holy Spirit is one of whom it is said, Ye shall receive power, even the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And ye shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit, then, is uncircumscribed and infinite, who infused himself into the minds of the disciples throughout the separate divisions of distant regions, and the remote bounds of the whole world, whom nothing is able to escape or to deceive. And therefore, Holy David says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy face? Of what angel does the scripture say this? Of what dominion? Of what power? Of what angel do we find the power diffused over many? For angels were sent to few, but the Holy Spirit was poured upon whole peoples. Who then can doubt that that is divine which is shed upon many at once and is not seen, but that that is corporeal which is seen and held by individuals? But in like manner, as the Spirit sanctifying the apostles is not a partaker of human nature, so too he sanctifying angels, dominions, and powers has no partnership with creatures. But if any think that the holiness of the angels is not spiritual, but some other kind of grace belonging to the property of their nature, they will forsooth judge angels to be inferior to men. For since themselves also confess that they would not dare to compare angels to the Holy Spirit, and they cannot deny that the Holy Spirit is shed upon men, but the sanctification of the Spirit is a divine gift and favor, men who possess a better kind of sanctification will certainly be found to be preferred to the angels. But since angels come down to men to assist them, it must be understood that the nature of angels is higher, as it receives more of the grace of the Spirit, and that the favor awarded to us, and to them, comes from the same author. But how great is that grace which makes even the lower nature of the lot of men equal to the gifts received by angels, as the Lord himself promised, saying, Ye shall be as the angels in heaven. Nor is it difficult, for he who made those angels in the Spirit will by the same grace make men also equal to the angels. But of what creature can it be said that it fills all things, as is written of the Holy Spirit, I will pour my Spirit upon all flesh? This cannot be said of an angel. Lastly, Gabriel himself, when sent to Mary, said, Hail, full of grace, plainly declaring the grace of the Spirit which was in her, because the Holy Spirit had come upon her, and she was about to have her womb full of grace with the heavenly word. For it is of the Lord to fill all things, who says, I fill heaven and earth. If then it is the Lord who fills heaven and earth, who can judge the Holy Spirit to be without a share in the dominion and divine power? Seeing that he has filled the world, and what is beyond the whole world, filled Jesus, the Redeemer of the whole world. For it is written, But Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, departed from Jordan. Who, then, except one who possessed the same fullness, could fill him who fills all things? But lest they should object that this was said according to the flesh, though he alone from whose flesh went forth virtue to heal all, was more than all. Yet, as the Lord fills all things, so too we read of the Spirit. For the Spirit of the Lord filled the whole world. And you find it said of all who had consorted with the apostles that, filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see that the Spirit gives both fullness and boldness, whose operation the archangel announces to Mary, saying, The Holy Spirit shall come on thee. You read, too, in the gospel that the angel descended at the appointed time into the pool and troubled the water, and he who first went down into the pool was made whole. 
What did the angel declare in this type but the descent of the Holy Spirit, which was to come to pass in our day, and should consecrate the waters when invoked by the prayers of the priest? That angel, then, was a herald of the Holy Spirit, inasmuch as by means of the grace of the Spirit, medicine was to be applied to our infirmities of soul and mind. The Spirit, then, has the same ministers as God the Father and Christ, he fills all things, possesses all things, works all and in all, in the same manner as God the Father and the Son work. What then is more divine than the working of the Holy Spirit, since God himself testifies that the Holy Spirit presides over his blessings, saying, I will put my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessings upon thy children. For no blessing can be full except through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, too, the apostle found nothing better to wish us than this, as he himself said, We cease not to pray and make requests for you that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, walking worthily of God. He taught, then, that this was the will of God, that rather by walking in good works and words and affections, we should be filled with the will of God, who puts his Holy Spirit in our hearts. Therefore, if he who has the Holy Spirit is filled with the will of God, there is certainly no difference of will between the Father and the Son. And that wraps up a couple other chapters from this work. It's been great reading with you today. I hope you're really enjoying this book. I know I am. Just a friendly reminder that if you want to reach out to me, there are a few different places you can go. You can go to facebook.com slash cloudofwitnessp, twitter.com slash cloudofwitnessp, or patreon.com slash acloudofwitnesses. With that said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll continue with our discussion of chapters 6 and 7 of St. Ambrose on the Holy Spirit, book 1.